full slate for today. We're going to talk about the Knicks and the Raptors finally getting a deal done with the OG and Anobi trade, shipping out RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. Then we're going to go through some of the rumors. We got Donovan Mitchell rumors, Laurie Markinen rumors, uh, DeJounte Murray rumors, Pascal Siakam rumors. We got to go through all that. And on top of that, we got to discuss last night's thriller in OKC between the Boston Celtics and the Thunder. So lock in, hit that thumbs up button for your boys, and remember to sh- support our sponsor, Prize Picks, by using that promo code NBAR to get up to a 100% match, up to $100. All right, Andrew, my man. How you doing, man? Happy New Year. It's been a minute since I've seen you. We took Monday off, but we're here now talking ball. What's going on, man? All is well. Happy New Year, Alec. Alex. I feel like we're prophetic because when I had you on my pod, you talked about maybe an RJ trade, and I talked maybe about an OG trade, and then mm. it all came together. So we're modern-day prophets, Alex. We are. That's we are mar- modern-day prophets. You're like, what, what, if, if Randall and Brunson are going to succeed, where's it going to be? It's got to be the RJ position. That's what I said. You asked about OG Ananobi. That was a rumor from last year. So let's get into it, man. Let, let's, ta- let's, ta- let's rip off the Band-Aid and start talking about this Raptors-Knicks trade as – Mentioned earlier at the top of the show, the New York Knicks shipped out R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and Detroit's second-round pick, which is looking like it's going to be the 31st pick in this year's draft, to get back O.G. Ananobi, uh, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn. They did that on Saturday right before the Pacers game. Knicks were then shorthanded, would lose that game, but then bounced back with a strong win against the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Raptors also won that night. They defeated the Cleveland mm-hmm. Cavaliers. So it seems like to start off, both teams are one to know after the trade working out for both teams. What would you make of the trade when you saw it come through the wire, Andrew? It's interesting. Cause I think when most people think of this trade, they're going to think about OG and RJ, but I really thought about quickly. And I really thought about Scotty Barnes because the little initiator, big initiator thing works so well in the NBA. We saw it with, Kyrie and LeBron, you know, a while back. And that won a championship. Mm -hmm. And we saw now a championship with Jamal Murray and Jokic. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying these two are going to be that good, but I think that combination really works in the modern NBA. And I think quickly is going to get a great opportunity there and really thrive there. I know he might not be on the level of like an Anthony Simons, a Tyler hero, but he's not too far off in my opinion. And I think if he gets the right opportunity, he could really thrive. I mean, look, he was runner-up, sixth man of the year, and I think he could do even more than that moving forward. From the Knicks' perspective, I think it really does fit their starting lineup, and we saw that in the first game. And I think it was no coincidence that Julian, Julius Randle, he played really great, but there was just more spacing for him to operate with OG hitting threes. And then on the defensive end, we saw what OG could do, even though he fouled out, unfortunately. Yeah. So I think from the fit perspective, it works for both teams. I would say the quickly thing, man, I don't know. I, like, if I was the Knicks, that's not somebody I would want to let go. But at the same time, you sometimes got to give away something good to get something good. Andrew, you, t- you took the words right out of my mouth, man. That's exactly what I said on the show on KFTV when we had the breaking news and we were dissecting the OG and an OB trade. I always thought that quickly was going to be part of a larger deal to get another player in return. If he was going to go out and not like, this is no shade to OG and Anobi, but that was my thought on quickly just because one, he's that vital. I think when you watch his career track, he's always improved every single year. And even being in a third as a third year player in the league, 
coming up second in six man of the year voting. I think that's just a good benchmark to say, hey, in such a short time span, he's got a solid trajectory. So if I was the Knicks, I would try to play more off of that in like trade value, like doing a, a sort of trade and like, trying to get value in return for him. But let's stick with the Knicks for a second. Let's stick on uh, OG Ananobi and like his fit with the New York Knicks and, and get dive deeper into this. You're right, where it was a better fit. We saw that immediately, right? In that game against the Timberwolves, Brunson, Randall had more room to work with. Granted, Brunson was was struggling, especially towards the end of the game with McDaniels on him. But you did see that they got more touches. They were able to just attack the lane with so much ease. And then not only were they able to attack, but the rest of that starting five with Dante DiVincenzo, including OG himself, and then Isaiah Hartenstein, it's just everyone was just cutting, floating around so well. There was no clutter whatsoever. And with OG being another good three-point shooter, I think he's shooting about 37% this season, you just see that you you have to honor him, and then you give someone like Dante DiVincenzo to get reverse layups under the basket easily. You see the the hop, the jump passing to like anyone that's cutting by Jalen Brunson. I think it was to Dante DiVincenzo as well. You see Randall finding uh, OG out the corner and just being able to punish opponents with three if he's left wide open. That type of stuff for that starting unit, it's a great fit. And then on top of that, OG defensively could take on the best assignment. He has the versatility guard one through four and on some nights five. So that way it allows guys like Brunson and Randall or whoever's out there not to have to worry about that and really like exalt or exert that much energy. Like before OG and Anobi got traded to the Knicks, we had to see Randall guard Giannis Antetokounmpo. I would expect if the Knicks played the Bucks, and I believe they, I don't, I think they may have to play the Bucks one more time. If we do see that matchup, you're going to see OG on Giannis and not necessarily Randall, which would serve, would could serve his energy for offense, which is what's really needed. So for stuff like that, I think it works great in the starting rotation. But as you pointed out, losing Emmanuel quickly, that bench unit, first thing I noticed is that you had Jalen Brunson playing 41 minutes that night and only Deuce McBride, who's now the lead guard off the bench playing seven. My concern is, is there going to be enough playmaking and enough scoring off the bench? And this is an opportunity for Quentin Grimes, but that was just... To allow to have Brunson out there playing so so many minutes after the trade, I was like, I get that there's a major adjustment for everybody after this trade, but that's a little concerning for me because you're going to need him fresh, especially later in the season and postseason. That that's just my big concern from it. Yeah, I mean, quickly will be missed. He will be missed. That energy, that quick hitting offense, that intensity on both sides of the floor. That he brings, you know, I love read and react offense, right? Like Warriors basketball, Heat basketball. But I would say it's probably easier for a player like OG to fit in a Tibbs offense than it would like with a Warriors or a Heat offense, right? Because all he has to do is play defense, spot Mm -hmm. up, shoot threes, attack closeouts. It's not too much thinking, right? So I think that's the reason why we saw so much of a seamless fit because, his role is tailor-made for the way OG plays basketball. He doesn't have to read and react. Not saying he's terrible at that, but I think his game is really catch to shoot threes, play defense, attack closeout. So I think this is really great fit. And when Cam Reddish came to the team, right? Like I knew that Tibbs Cam Reddish fit was not going to work right away. Like I said it on mm. podcast, the mentality, the way he plays. I think this OG Tibbs fit is going to go really great. And we saw it in the first game. He was so impactful. For sure. Everyone's calling him the next Luol Dang for uh, Tom Thibodeau, man, because Whoa. think about it, both guys from the UK, right? Both okay. play good defense. 
there's some cops over there. <laughs> Dang, Dang was tough, bro. Dang was Dang tough was at this pro, at this prime. Yeah, yeah. If if OG if OG can be Dang, then I think the Knicks won us won the trade then. <laughs> there we go. But I, before we even move on to the Raptor side, I mean, there are two other players. Got to give them some shine. Uh, you had Precious Achua looked to struggle a little bit on, on his debut, and then you got Malachi Flynn. Any thoughts about those guys before we talk about the Raptors? I like Malachi's game. I'm a little bit concerned about his NBA future and what his NBA role will be. Mm -hmm. um, I hope he sticks in the NBA. Precious also, there's some red flags with Precious too because the Heat moved off, moved off of him really quick. Yeah. When, when the Heat move off of you really quick, there's there's something going on there. Uh, Toronto moved off on him. So I know that uh, Mitch is hurt right now, so maybe he could give him some minutes, some energy at the five. But there's some definitely there's definitely red flags when it comes to them too. And I think that's why, even though from a fit perspective, and I saw why both teams did it. Like, I'm not mad at the Knicks for doing it. I think Toronto gets the slight edge in this trade, even though mm. both teams won, in my opinion. Because, I mean, let's say, you know, RG and OG, I don't know if it's an even trade-off. Most, most would say that OG is better. But yeah, then for sure. You, I, I would but say then, that too. Yeah, but then, you, but then you add quickly in there, and you compare that with uh, Flynn and... And precious, I mean, so that's like that's like a big steal, I think, for the Raptors. So I think it's pretty even, but I would slightly edge the um, Raptors because of that. They got two guys, right? You know, for like it was like that mix after the top two was a little bit better on the Raptors side. Yeah, I would lean towards Raptors too. Let's go into the Raptors right now. Um, I would lean towards Raptors just because they got two players that they inserted straight into the lineup, right? Like the Knicks yeah. only got one. Raptors yes. got two. They got their right now. They got their starting guard, Emmanuel quickly. You saw that even prior to him getting there, they put Dennis Schroeder on the bench. You saw they're looking for a new guard to replace Fred Van Vliet. RJ Barrett slides into that rotation as well. So for them, I'm going to say it's that it's definitely on the Raptor side that gets a slight edge. I'm in agreement with you on top of that. You get a second rounder, which yeah, let's call it what it is. It's a 31st pick. It's a late first round. Like at, at that yeah. point, like you can still get value at that, at that selection. So slightly to the Raptors, but looking at the trade for them, I, I'm in agreement with you where I think it's more so about the quickly uh, cho choosing more so than uh, the RJ because RJ to this point, we kind of see who he is. And as much as I like, I like RJ, I like his work ethic. He's, he's tough in, in many respects of the game. Um, he just hasn't changed or evolved his game that much since he's entered the league. Right. Always been a guy that's able to get downhill. Haven't seen much of a mid-range from him yet. His three-point shooting is inconsistent. Um, the good thing is that he can get to the free throw line a lot. But outside of that, we've we've seen this for the last five seasons right now. So mm -hmm. for me, it's like RJ solid. I mean, he can give you 20 points per game by the numbers. He's not the most efficient player to do so. But you do get a quality NBA player. Nice. I say it's more so quickly because... Just looking at the Raptors' history, you lose Kyle Lowry, you're like, okay, it's going to be Fred Van Vliet that's taking over anyway. You then lose Fred Van Vliet in free agency. Like, you didn't get anything in return for him. Yes. And and, and so now you you thought the plan was to use Schroeder as a stopgap option. But I say it's quickly because now you potentially have your lead guard of the future. You then also say you get to rebuild with Scotty Barnes in mind, right? Because quickly's 24 RJ's 23, Scotty's 22. So now you're starting to develop that young core that you wanted, which is, which kind of makes sense 
for what why the Raptors turned down three first rounders from the Memphis Grizzlies when they offered it for OG Ananobi last year. I get that draft draft picks are hit or miss. You get two quality starters in return for this deal, and you're already getting immediate impact and get to do some more evaluation. Uh, so for the Raptors, like and, and starting off with, I think it's the quickly thing because you need that guard, and we see that he could be a, a legitimate score, right? He can do some playmaking. He still obviously has to develop more as a lead guard in the league. But from this standpoint, if you're Masai Ujiri, if you look at Quickly's career, it's like, okay, every time they've asked him to step up, he's done that. So I, I think it's I lean more so towards it being the Quickly deal that's really set this apart because the Knicks offered RJ last season. They said no. Quickly was then the difference maker in this deal. Yeah, I mean, and Toronto's going to be a different environment for RJ. It's home. And you know, environment is everything. Yep. So he might play even better in Toronto than he did in New York since that's home for him. And with quickly, I mean, he handled the New York media and the New York spotlight really well, right? You know, runner up for six man of the year. But it is nice as a young player to not really have that kind of spotlight, that kind of pressure, and you could really spread your wings and fly, you know? Um, he handled it well, but maybe he could even thrive even more in this situation. And as I, as I said, I love the fit with him and Scotty Barnes and Scotty shooting it better this year. They could both initiate. And as I, as I said before, like that big initiator, little initiator thing, if you got two high level guys really works. I mean, Dallas tried it with Luca and Kyrie this, you know, lately, even though Kyrie's been hurt. So I think that could be their future with those two. And we'll see how RJ does at home. Cause I think he could thrive there as well. Just being so comfortable in his hometown. For sure. Absolutely. I agree with that. Being home, I mean, he's used to the New York media market, so now you get to go home, represent your country, which he loves doing. I got a question for you, though, for both of these trades. What do you see the trajectory of, like, both these teams moving forward after the deal? Do you see, like, the Knicks, like, taking another, like, after just one game, do you see them, like, adding more wins to what their regular season would have been? Do you see them, like, getting even further in the playoffs after this deal? Um, and then, oh, let's just start with the Knicks first. Like, do you see the Knicks taking another step forward after this deal? I think it definitely gives them a better chance in the playoffs because as we see OG versus Tatum, Tatum only ver averages 19 points again against OG when OG's guarding him. Um, mm -hmm. Against Giannis, it's 27. But, I mean, it's Giannis. That's not bad. Like, I yeah. think he's definitely a guy that could you could throw at some of the league's best wings in the East. Now, those guys are unstoppable. You can't really turn them off, but you could slow them down slightly. Uh, playoff Jimmy, another guy. You need a guy like OG there. So... I definitely think it gives the Knicks a better chance in the playoffs, but quickly will be missed. But I do think it raises their ceiling slightly. I think it raises their ceiling. I I don't even know. I think like I had them going as like a second round team this year, like they did last season. I still think they're a second round team with this trade. Let um, me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Alex. Do sure. you think there's another move to be made after this OG move? I think they definitely knew need to make another move, whether it be for a star or just a, a role player off the bench. Like you need to shore up that bench scoring just so you can relieve Brunton and Randall. So like, how about Brogdon? I was going to say Brogdon's like an option. That'd be, that'd be interesting. I think you could buy low on Portland right now because they don't really have anything to play for this season. If anything, they should probably just tank again and go back into the lottery. Keep adding more players to that core. You could even think about Jordan Clarkson. That's another player they can go oh, out and that's get. That's tough. That's tough off the bench. Yeah. Um, if you want to go more of like a safe route, maybe a Tyus Jones. If you just want somebody to like steady the ship a little bit, but I think like for this bench, what you need right now, you need somebody who can 
score. So I'm not 100% sold on the Tyus Jones option. Like, I'm just throwing it out there. But Brogdon and Clarkson are definitely two names that I would think of. Yeah, I mean, Brogdon for the immediate future would be an upgrade from Quickly. Like, I think right now he's a better basketball player than Quickly. Quickly obviously has the brighter future. He's younger. His trajectory is different. But to get the runner-up with six man and then get OG and then get the six man right after? I mean, Brogdon is not in the right situation for himself. I'm sure he's looking to be moved. I think that would be a great fit. Yeah, I think and it's, I think that's the move. Like, if you're the Knicks, if you want to just, like, if you want to be stable and you want to have a good competitive offseason, uh, postseason, I should say, again, I think that's the move you should go. Even Clarkson, man, even a guy that you can just mm-hmm. say, hey, microwave score, obviously goes, he's either running hot or running cold, is never consistent enough, but still, he's got that irrational confidence. Yes. Just being that erratic shooter, though, is the only concern. Like, Brogdon's a little bit more stable. The other thing is that I would say Brogdon's the better playmaker because he had to do that in his stops in Milwaukee and in Indiana. Yeah. And then even Boston a little bit, but didn't need to do as much because that team was just fully stacked as is. Yeah. For the for the Raptors, though, last thing. What's, do you think this makes a difference, them moving forward, or do you still see them outside of the plan? Do they get into the plan after this type of move? Or is it just the next season in the future that they got to look at? Yeah, I think their future is brighter. I don't think they could do much this postseason, in my opinion. But I just love the direction that 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 team is going. I think, you know how with Wemby, they're kind of just letting Wemby play and flap his wings. I think it's that type of season for the Raptors. Scotty's still really young. Quickly, still really young. They got a good player in RJ. Let's get the skill development going. Let's work on his jump shot. You know, let's develop all these players and look to the future and how we could get better and really brainstorm, take a step back, take an elevated perspective. You know, this year is not the year. I don't think so. I think this year is all about development for Toronto, but you know, Masai has gotten a lot of backlash recently. And and I think this was a good move in my opinion for their future. For sure. I think it's, I I agree with that too. Like I'd see them not making much noise. I think anything that you with this team, because it's been, because the other thing, we're going to get to the Pascal Siakam thing because that's another thing. If they make another move and you move like your all-star, then that's you're, you're cratering your chances of just even thinking about playing. But with the Raptors right now, I think you just, as like you said for Wemby, just like see if it works, man. Just like yeah. it, it, just, just rip off the band-aid. Just try all the experimentation that you have on that roster and see what works, what sticks. And maybe from there you can say, okay, this is what we got to build on for next season. This quickly actually that guy is RJ, that guy. Can we just develop them to be even better shot creators, scores, facilitators, all of the above because them right now, it doesn't even make like, to me, it doesn't even make sense to go into the playing category. I think right now, even though it may stink, I think if you just like tank it out and just like develop all the guys you have on this roster, you can add another player in the draft this season, even though this upcoming draft seems to be a little bit shaken where people say who might be number one at what and whatnot. But that's probably where I would lean if I was a Raptors, but I don't see them. I still see them on the outside looking in. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's a tough East. Yep. Salute to everyone tuning in on the NBA report right now. Hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure to support our sponsor prize picks. Use that promo code NBAR to get up to a $100 match. All right. Andrew, we got some trade rumors, my man. Mm. We got some trade rumors. Donovan Mitchell, we're going to start off with that one because everyone loves Donovan Mitchell. Everyone wants to talk about Donovan Mitchell, especially to the Knicks. But we got the rumor. We got, we got, or I should say, we got the, we got the intel from Mark Stein saying, initial indications are that the Knicks do not intend to mount on an all-out pursuit of Donovan Mitchell. 
The Cleveland Cavaliers, for that matter, signaled to rival teams throughout December that they, are, that they aren't prepared to entertain Mitchell overtures anyway. What do you think about that? Do you think... Do you think it's right that the Knicks and I even pursue Donovan Mitchell right now? Do you think they should try to be aggressive to add him to the team? Like if you're looking, if you're like the Knicks, should you try to be aggressive and try to go all in right now before the trade deadline? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I think you just got this OG trade done. I think there's probably some better fits on the defensive side, even though Donovan Mitchell is probably a better all around player than some of those guys, right? Like, he's mm -hmm. probably the best player in these trade rumors. I mean, Laurie Market is a pretty good player. He's in these trade rumors, not linking him to the Knicks. But where I would like to see D. Mitch is the Miami Heat. The Miami really? Heat. Yeah, because then you got that great balance of the three best players, one guard, one wing, one big. I think it makes sense. I, I thought they should have pursued Harden. Like, I think with the culture set, Harden could have really helped them in a multitude of ways. And... He's been playing really well lately. Like D Mitch on that heat team with the culture set and that type of talent and the heat always maximize talent. Remember that. So when you got three all-star level players, which they haven't had for a while now um, to that degree, I think that would be really dangerous in the East. And if they could get him there, they would beat the Celtics and the bucks in my opinion, in a seven game series, because I just wow. feel like, it would be a seamless fit against your Bucks team. Wow, you would just destroy your own Bucks propaganda right there. <laughs> I mean, because I believe so much in the Heat coaching staff that if they have those three guys and playoff Jimmy playing like playoff Jimmy, they're the favorites of the East to me. I know normally when you just like throw a star player on another team, it's I, I'm usually skeptical myself. Like I was not high on the Suns. From the beginning, not not like what's happening now, like from the beginning, like I didn't think it was I told you that, like, I didn't think they were legit title contenders, even if they all stayed healthy. But that's because there's no culture there. Like it is heat culture. So when culture is set and then you have enough talent and the way that coaching staff maximizes talent and the balance of their top three guys, we see with the Warriors, a lot of their dynasty was because of the balance of their top three players. I think it would be a perfect mix and they would be the favorites to me in the East if they can land that trade. Oh, my God. Uh, I, first of all, I would be sick to my stomach as a Knicks fan seeing the Miami <laughs> Heat get Donovan Mitchell. Not only do the Knicks not get the home go homegrown uh, kid, but now he has to go to your, one of your worst rivals who made you uh, who, who took you out in the second round last season. That's that would just be with flashbacks of, of Van Gundy hanging on people's legs. Yeah. Good God. <laughs> uh but no, like I, I hear you like from a basketball perspective, I totally hear you. And definitely it would be that like right balance between the forward, the big, the guard. Uh Donovan Mitchell would be that injection of consistent scoring that they need outside of Tyler Hero for sure. Mm -hmm. And I mean I would assume that I, Tyler would have to be in that trade, actually, right? Like if it would happened. He, or would you have to throw up Jaime Hawkins after how he's playing? I don't honestly. I don't think they give up on Jaime. I think he's almost untouchable for them. I mean, I think so too. But if you're trying to get Donovan Mitchell, if you're trying to go all in, are you just saying, hey, like if I'm if I'm the Cavs, I'm saying I'm on Jaime Hawkins. That is true. I, I agree with you. I would say that if I was the Cavs. I totally agree with you, Alex. <laughs> but like, so that's my thing. Like, are you like, would you, because I think that's more of the realistic thing. I know the Miami back. Oh, we're okay moving off Tyler Hero. And if if that if it is Donovan heard Mitchell, that, you're you're right, Alex. It is Donovan Mitchell. Like you're gonna have to give up something, right? And that yeah, for sure. And then it, like that's the thing though. It's that if I was the Heat, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, sure, you can take Tyler Hero. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's way too easy of an ask. 
I want Jaime Hawkins in. Let's yeah, and they're probably really going to ask for, they're rebuilding. They'll probably ask for Jovic too, who's been spending a lot of time in the G League, but really promising. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to ask for a lot. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, picks. I mean, the little picks that Miami has to offer, I think Jaime Hawkins would be gone in that. And I think Hero would be that six man guy that you had before, right? Because mm-hmm. if you lose Jaime, that's, or is Jaime, is Jaime starting now? I forget if he's starting right now. Yeah. But regardless, uh, well, first of all, they their starting lineup is always very fluid with the Heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, if the Cavs are going to do it, I'm seeing they're asking for Jaime Hawkins at the end of the day. Yeah, um, I would too. Any sure. any other team that you would see asking for Donovan Mitchell outside of the Knicks and the Heat? I mean, there's a Brooklyn Nets that's always thrown out there. I just don't see. I mean, I'm the the Nets have the capital to go trade for Donovan Mitchell. I just don't see. What package? Yeah. What's the package like? Exactly. Like that. That's, that's my question. It's like outside of Macau bridges, who else are you asking for from the Brooklyn Nets? Like you're not asking for Nick Claxton because you could just keep Jared Allen. And so then who else on the Nets are you asking for? Like Cam Johnson? Is that that like the next best name? Yeah. I think that's the best name. And I don't know if that's enough because you know, they have a really good big in Nick Claxton, but they don't really need a big, right? They got two good bigs. Um, and you need wings. They have wings, but some of them are a little bit older. So Cam Johnson fits their timeline. I don't really see a package where it would work with them, you know? Yeah, I don't see, like, I know those are always rumors saying, like, hey, you could always get uh, you could always get the Brooklyn Nets in here to go make a Donovan Mitchell. I just don't see the real, I don't see it being a realistic destination just because I don't think the Cavs just want draft picks at this stage i mean they were just in the playoffs even though they got gentlemen swept by the new york knicks they're looking to build off of that you're gonna have to sign evan mobley he's gonna be due for an extension they still have to make decisions about jared allen and then you also have darius garland who's just who was an all-star not too long ago so you got your core right there and then you sign max Struess. you got you re-upped on karis overt how much more can you wait you're gonna need either you believe in those three right there even if you are to move off donovan mitchell but then you need somebody in return, in my opinion, that's going to be of some sort of substance that you're like, okay, we can deal with this and we could see him adding value. Do you see any scenario where Donovan just stays with Cleveland or no? Because I mean, they're really, um, I mean, they got guys hurt right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the right fit. Like I do see him leaving at some point, right? I don't see him staying in Cleveland. I yeah. mean, unless he gets, I, I think the big thing is that the extension for Mobley, because then you're talking about, being hard capped, potentially going up into that upper echelon of the a- second apron where you're like, I don't want to be limited in the, in the deals that I can make during the off season. And then with what you saw last postseason with that group, that core four right there, do you have any confidence that they can take it even further because they got bullied? Like they would like, even though I'm a Knicks fan, like they straight up got bullied by yes. the Knicks. It, it, yeah. it was not, it, it was like Donovan Mitchell didn't show up. Garland was definitely the best player for them in the playoffs. Jared Allen was quiet. Mobley didn't do much. So, and and Mobley still needs to develop an offensive game, solid defensively. Do you believe in all four of those guys working? And and in some instances, when Mitchell was even there, the offense and the team just looked to flow better too, because Donovan Mitchell is so such a high usage player and so ball dominant. The ball was, is not always moving around as frequently. Yeah, it's an interesting mix on offense and defense when it comes to that. those two. Like, they didn't have wing depth last year. Um, that was a huge problem. Like, OG would have been a perfect fit. 
Mm. Like they needed like that guy to throw at Randall, you know, like they just got bullied because RJ Randall and Brunson, like if you don't have enough girth with those two, they're all three of them are going to bully you. Like Brunson's little, but he'll bully you as well. And you know, Randall will bully you and you know, RJ was a slasher. So that was just not a good mix because they had no wing depth and defensively they were small in the backcourt. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't see, I don't see the Cavs go on Donovan Mitchell. I don't even see him go. I, I would be, I wouldn't even be surprised that he kept him around for another season, even though he would be essentially cheaper to get next season. Mm. I still think the Cavs are in a position where it's tough to pull in marquee names to that destination that they would try as much as possible to keep Donovan Mitchell in that area and see if it can work out because the only thing you could do for Donovan Mitchell is to sell the hope that it will get better if he stays around and that the team could gel even more. Do you think? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I just. I don't. I don't think he's gonna stay there. I don't think he's. Yeah. Gonna stay I there. don't. I, I, honestly, like when it comes back to the Knicks, I don't even know if he's the necessarily the right fit for the Knicks, just because. What would be? Let me ask you this. So, what would be like a package that would make sense for the Knicks and the Cavs? Man, Quentin Grimes is definitely going out. Um, maybe if you're the Cavs, you do a swap for Mitchell Robinson and Jared Allen just to get off the large contract you gave Jared Allen. Yeah, and then you have to give up picks. That's probably that's probably what you're doing in the end. And then you get Donovan Mitchell, and I don't know if you get anyone else back in return after that type of deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I think. But, but I'm not even sure that I would even like. I like Donovan Mitchell, but I'm not sure that he's the right player that you need on this team because then, I, like, you need more playmaking. You need someone who's going to facilitate that ball. If you're going to have a starting lineup of Brunson, Mitchell, OG, Randall, and then let's just say, even if it is Mitchell Robinson, or any throw in any center, you need a lot of playmaking. Like, you need a lot of playmaking. And that's where it's like, yeah, I think about the Bulls like when they were clicking with Levine and Demar Derozan. Like Lonzo really connected everybody, 100%. 100%. And, and that's what he, I think it was need. over once he got hurt. It was over, yeah, yeah. over. And I, and I think you need something more like that. Even though we saw 14 assists from Brunson this past, uh, what was it? I guess on Monday, I still think you need somebody who can connect everybody together. Yeah, and do you think that Mitchell's trade value is the highest right now? With maybe a few teams being desperate, with teams trying to maximize their timeline. I think I think there's always a desperate team out there, but I don't know if they're necessarily looking for a guard. I think they're looking for what you're saying. It's like that big that can space it out. And what's <clears throat> I think that's what the, I think that's the I think that's the big need. There's very few teams that, in my opinion, need a guard. Um, like for this player, let's talk about Dejounte Murray, man, which is another Knicks favorite, yeah, and a Lakers favorite. You know, you got your two marquee franchises looking at Dejounte Murray right now, seeing if they can go get him. According to Michael Scott of Hoops Hype, uh, the Knicks have interest in uh, DeJounte Murray. And according to Sham Sharania of The Athletic, uh, he, he said, one more player to keep an eye on, I'm told, a potential target for the Lakers, Hawks guard DeJounte Murray. Those are his words exactly. Between those two teams, where would you want to see DeJounte Murray go? I think offensively, it's a little bit of a weird fit on both teams. Because hmm. I think the Trey DeJounte thing didn't really work out too well because DeJounte always needs the basketball. From a defensive fit, I really like it with the Knicks because him and OG, now defensively, you shore some things up with the lack of defense from Randall and 
Brunson fights on defense, but you know, he's a little bit smaller to have that big guard next to him could help um, a facilitator, but on offense, Brunson and Randall love having the basketball most of the time. And I'm not sure if you maximize DeJounte's value with him playing off the ball. Now I'm sure he'll figure it out either team he would go to, but you know, it's the same thing with the Lakers. Like LeBron loves having the basketball in the playoffs. How would that work with DeJounte? Because you want all your best players playing in that moment. I guess the thing, like, I'm going to start off with the Lakers. I guess the thing with the Lakers and LeBron James, you would say one is LeBron James. So he'll figure it out. And, and <laughs> yeah, everyone will figure it out. It doesn't really matter. But then you just think about guards in the past that he's played with, whether it's Dwayne Wade, Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. those guys are pretty ball dominant. I mean, if anything, do you say, hey, we asked Anthony Davis to take a little bit less so that way DeJounte could stay active and, and really flourish in the offense? Because as you said, defensively, even though it's hard to really see how good of a defensive player he is on the Hawks, I feel like he's good for yeah. the Lakers. You know, that's a matchup. You want to talk about adding a guard. It's better than D'Angelo Russell. You still get to keep Austin Reeves on the bench and not have to throw him back in the starting rotation. If you get DeJounte Murray, I could see the, I could see DeJounte working out for the Lakers just for fit purposes. And like, you could even stagger it. Like LeBron, like you want to make sure LeBron's f- fresh for the playoffs. Right. DeJounte is another guy, like, we saw what he could do down at San Antonio. He's a guy who can play, make, he's a score, he can do all those things. You could have, you can actually rest LeBron James and be like, look, we're trying to cap it out at 32 minutes, <laughs> not playing 36, 39, maybe 40, depending on the matchup. DeJounte on the Lakers would be pretty interesting. You know what team needs it the most, even though there's no chance to make the playoffs? Who? The Spurs. Oh, my God. <laughs> they got, they got Sohan playing point. Like, this guy would be perfect. Like, he'll have the ball as much as he wants. Wemby's playing the five now, eating at the five. I think DeJounte would fit in perfectly there. Oh, my God. The long-winded one. After he aired out uh, Popovich on the po- – I forget which podcast. He aired him out, be like, getting, playing mind games and whatnot. <laughs> okay, okay. I bet from, like, a basketball fit perspective in terms of his teammates. Like, they need a point guard. And I just think DeJounte likes to have the basketball in his hand. And, you know, they tried with him and Trey, but it just doesn't seem to work on the offensive side of the ball. Like, I feel like you need a place where some major playmaking is the missing part of things, you know? And yeah. I don't know if that's the major missing part of what's happening with the Lakers and the Knicks. But defensively, I like it with the Knicks. Like, I think defensively, it makes more sense with Brunson than, like, Mitchell and Brunson, you know? Even though Mitchell's the better basketball player. Yeah, Mitchell's is the better basketball player. But I think the fit, like if you're, if we're going to the Knicks right now and talk about DeJounte Murray, I've been saying this on Knicks fan TV is like, I think the fit is just better with DeJounte Murray because you, you know, you get better defense outside. Yes. Like yes. something that Donovan Mitchell doesn't really give you. Although when he came into the league, he was doing, he was playing some pretty solid defense. I don't know. What's I mean, happened Louis- Louisville, he was a good defender. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's happening. As soon as he gets to the NBA, it's like, Hey, let me, yeah. let me focus on one side of the basketball now. Yeah. Uh, but yo, I think, DeJounte Murray would be a good fit. And I think the thing is that I, we've seen Brunson and Dallas play off ball next to Luca, where Luca dominates so much that I feel like Brunson yeah. could learn and get back into that type of rhythm where it's like, all right, DeJounte, you could just, if you want to control the rock, be out there while I'm out there, like just switch off. I feel like that could work. Although it would be pretty tough to sell that because Brunson's the dude in was- New York. That's what I'm but, saying. Like, like with Luca, it's like it's easy to sell that, right? Like, yeah. okay, I'll play off the ball with Luca. With Dejounte, it might be a little bit different, but I definitely see where you're going. Yeah, I feel like you can get that with Dejounte, but then like defensively, a ba- like defense with Dejounte Murray, OJ Ananobi, and let's just say Mitchell Robinson. That's pretty yeah. tough. 
That is tough. That is tough. I mean, it fits Tim's ideology, I would say. Yeah, it would fit his ideology. And on top of that, like he's shooting the three ball really well. And so if you want to talk about even more spacing, and then you could put Dante back on the bench. Cause I would expect if you're if you're dealing with the Atlanta Hawks, they're gonna want Quentin Grimes, who was rumored in the Cam Reddish deal not too long ago. But when they when they made that trade, they did want Grimes. So I would expect Grimes, if you did go get DeJounte Murray, that Grimes would be in that deal to go get him. Yeah. How do you feel about it from the Hawks side of things? Cause even in my own head, like Trey Young is such a polarizing player because I think he's underappreciated for not being an eye-popping athlete, even though he's very quick, and being smaller and be able to average the numbers, put up the numbers he does in the best league in the world. I think he doesn't get enough credit for that. But on the other side of things, like, he's your franchise. And we talked about Brunson and Randall. Like, can you win a championship with them as your top two guys? Like, can you win a championship with Trey as your best player? And that's not to take anything away from him. So the Hawks really have a challenging future ahead of them. They do have a challenging future. And let's talk about the next guy, man, because the next guy who they're thinking about and which would, you know, kind of either help or I actually, I don't even know if they would allow DeJounte Murray to be moved in that capacity, but it is Pascal Siakam. Mm, Pascal yeah. Siakam, who's been on the radar for a lot of teams, the Atlanta Hawks, Indiana Pacers and Sacramento Kings. Siakam is a name that the Atlanta Hawks have been targeting. Uh, I'm pretty confident that, in Jake Fisher's report that he said Siakam was somebody that was being discussed during summer league for the Hawks, that they were trying to get a deal done during this past offseason just because he would help show up the defensive end. You then add an all-star at your power forward position. They need more help in the front court. Um, that's a name who I think would be pretty, pretty solid for that unit. He doesn't solve everything, but the spacing for him on that team would be much better than in Toronto. And I think even the numbers that he's getting in Toronto might even be greater with somebody like Trey. And you talked about those pairings. You talked about the the guard, the big pairing. That'd be a that'd be a legit guard, big pairing. I mean, you could. By the way, forgot to mention Brunson and Randall. Uh, just go throw that out there. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. That would be that would be that would be a legit pairing. Trey Young and Pascal Siakam. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, Pascal has learned to play with ball dominant players in the past, like Kawhi. You know, mm -hmm. Kawhi not as ball dominant as Trey, but he won a championship in that second guy role. Mm -hmm. So he could thrive in that area if he wants to, even though even if offense is totally revolved around Trey. And it's an all-NBA guy. Like, if you could get an all-NBA guy in your system that plays a different position than your star playing, as you, you were just alluding to, I think you go ahead and do it. And then you build around those guys with defense and shooters around those two guys. I think it's a pretty good formula to move forward with. Um, I think it's definitely a better mix than DeJounte and Trey. Would you still keep DeJounte if you got Pascal Siakam? I mean, would that, yeah, you know, does DeJounte doesn't really fit in Toronto, right? Like, what would be the package? Like, Toronto's going to be asking for a lot for Pascal, but at the same time, they don't want to let Pascal move away for, for nothing, right? Yeah, it wouldn't be for nothing. I feel like, so in return, the rumors is that if the if the Raptors are going to trade with Atlanta, they would want Jalen Johnson in return. Jalen Johnson's so, good, bro. I love I like I always thought that he would have been an all rookie guy if he got the opportunity. He spent so much time in the G League, which was unfortunate, but now he's really showing us up. He would really be a nice fit there with Toronto, right? Like he, he fits yep. Masai's ideology. We just talked about Tim's ideology, that uh bigger point forward type player. Yeah, you know, he can play small forward, power forward. He's right. six nine, versatile. 
Um, he can bring up the rock from time to time. He's showing that he can get you some buckets too. He scores pretty efficiently. I mean, even though he's shooting even from three on low volume, he's still shooting over 40%. He's taking about three attempts per game. Mm-hmm. That's a guy that I would see that Toronto would want just because you go back to adding that youth for that team to rebuild. Cause it doesn't seem like Toronto wants to go through the draft. It just seems like let's go trade for young players and just build from that way. And then just get the development going. Cause if you're in the league right now and you're successful in the league, that's more, there's more, you, you can be more sure about that than going into the draft pool and be like, is this guy going to be good? Is this guy not going to be good? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of their issue with Malachi Flynn, right? They got him with a late first round pick and they moved off of him just because nothing has transpired while he was out there in Toronto. Yeah. So J- yeah, Jalen Johnson's going to be better than a lot of your like top 15 picks. You know, he's, yeah. he's a good player. He's a really good player. I see CP in the chat saying he thinks Pascal Siakam is going to go to Philly. Uh, Philly's been knocking those rumors down that he, that they're not, that they're not even thinking Pascal Siakam right now. What do you think about that fit? Yeah, that's a nice fit. They need a wig. I mean, we, we, would, I guess that's the theme of the show. Like how do your three best players fit? And those guys, you know, Pascal at the four Embiid at the five Maxi at the one. Um, I think it does make sense. Another player who's not as good that I think would fit really well. Cause the bulls are trying to blow it up. Caruso on both sides mm-hmm. of the floor. makes a lot of sense because he's that grit, that defensive guy that could guard multiple positions. And then on offense, he's a connective piece. So I think that really works with Maxi and Embiid. But I like Pascal in, um, in Philly because I, I thought they were going to try and get OG. OG, OG would have been a nice fit in Philly, right? Mm-hmm. When they, they missed out on Matisse. They didn't miss out. They sent him out of there. So they needed a guy like that for defense. But I, li- I like the Pascal fit. I think that definitely takes them over the top of the East and it would allow them to possibly win the East over my bucks, even though they're not my bucks. I'm unbiased. All right. <laughs> unbiased. He says, although he's been, he's been campaigning for the Milwaukee bucks as being the best <laughs> team in the East since the start of the NBA season. Um, oh man. How but, did I turn into the bucks guy? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but it just happened. Okay. You've been supporting Damon Giannis as the two best to do it so far. So that's probably why, but look, okay. I think it's a, I think it's a good match out in Philly. I think another team that we can't uh, sleep on that would be in this race to go get Siakam is the Indiana Pacers. Oh. They, it looks like, I think they would probably be offering up Jairus Walker if they would go get him. Um, mm-hmm. So once again, you're talking about a guy that would fit that timeline for the Raptors young player um, still on is uneven on the Indiana Pacers. That's why he's not getting so many minutes. But that'd be one direction. Another team that'd be interested in Siakam would be the Sacramento Kings. But you know who the you know who the Raptors want in return? They would want Keegan Murray, and the Kings would not want to part with him. So I don't see the Kings as being a realistic option because you're gonna have to give up one of those young players if you want him. And he plays that same position, so I don't know why. Like I feel like, although I get it, you would want you want more versatility, especially defense on the team. Especially the Kings, they need defense. But I would just see that you'd have to give up Keegan Murray if you want Pascal Siakam. It's like it really comes down to what the Kings believe Keegan Murray will be in the future. Because he fits their timeline really well already. And if you believe he'll be an all-star in the future or if he has that type of trajectory, I wouldn't trade him because he already knows their system. He fits in really well. So if you believe in him to be an all-star, I wouldn't trade him for Pascal. And I don't even know how Pascal would fit in read and react type offense. Like I think he would be fine, but they went really deep last year. And I don't know if Keegan Murray would be a guy that I would want to move off of. I, I really like his future, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, if I'm the Kings, I'm looking at the center position. I like as good as a bonus has been, I think you need a legitimate center that can offer some resistance just because Jokic is out there. He could just shoot over DeMontis Sabonis. You got Chet that could just shoot over DeMontis Sabonis. There's like so many. I mean, you can even talk about the Timberwolves too. Timberwolves got three centers on that team from Nas Reed, Cat, and Rudy Gobert. That's tough for Sabonis just to match up with. If I'm the Kings, it's probably tough, but you I look at getting a legitimate defender. If you're not, if you're going to keep Sabonis, then you got to think about somebody who can slide next to him. That way he doesn't have to guard the center at all. Yeah, who who are you thinking? Marketing? He's not really a five, even though he's big. I'm not thinking marketing, but we can discuss marketing right now. I'm not thinking yeah. marketing. I don't think I think even though the Kings are interested in marketing, that's that's a player that, you know, according to Hoops Hype yet yet again, they said a majority of executives who spoke to Hoops Hype believed the thought of our marketing being traded is wishful thinking. I don't see marketing getting traded. Okay. Unless unless Danny Ainge gets an offer he can't turn down. And teams that are looking for marketing are like the Hawks, once again, who need it forward. Thunder are a team that would be interested in marketing. The Kings, who need I, I don't see, like, I think you just become more of an offensive threat if you get Larry marketing, but he's not yeah. the defensive answer that you need. So I don't see him really being a great fit for the Kings. Yeah. Um, I don't think, the, I, I hear a lot of OKC, OKC marketing thing, but I think you leave OKC alone. I understand, like, the thought of your getting better or you're getting worse. Like we saw that with the Knicks, right? Like they're going to make a move, even though they had to move off quickly. And, you know, Kevin Durant was added to a already great Warriors team. Like you got to continue to try and get better. I get it no matter how good you are, but I kind of like the chemistry this OKC team has, but there is one player that they could move off of, right? I think Josh mm -hmm. Giddy is going to be the guy left out. So if there was a package to be made, it'd probably be like a Josh Giddy package. And I don't know if that's enough for marketing. I mean, I, I you would I would move off. I mean, if you want to get off all the the news rumors of Josh Giddy, I could see why the Thunder would do and he's that. Not play, and he's not playing that great either. He's not year. playing he's not, great, and he's not the best fit with SGA. You know, he doesn't space it really. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, but I just don't see why you even want to do that deal. Just because then, who's your big outside of Kessler on that team? Like you, like the good thing about Laurie is that you have a legitimate center that can defend in Kessler, and then he spaces the floor. You know. You got Keontae George out there who's looking like a promising point guard too. They really need more guards, like more scores out there than they do need, like than trading Laurie Markin away. And that's why everybody else is up for grabs outside of Markin, Walker, and uh, <laughs> and, and Keontae George. Like THT is on the market. Uh, CP's favorite, Ke Kelly Olynyk's on the market. You can go get Jordan Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Olynyk's a bucket. Hey man, he dropped twenty seven. I think he dropped twenty seven against those uh at the time winless Detroit Pistons. So so wait, CP wants Kelly on the Knicks. Yes, he does. Okay, okay. Try to get that offense in there. I see it. <laughs> yep. You got even Colin Sexton out there, man. Who you know who's come, come off the bench. Hey, okay. hey, Knicks. Colin Sexton. That's what do you think? That's tough off the bench. That is tough off the bench. I would like okay. Colin Sexton off the bench too. Yeah. He'd be solid. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about irrational confidence? Although I think he's more efficient than uh, Jordan Clarkson, I would go. I would go get Colin Sexton. Um, what you believe yeah. will make it so, Alex. That if you're him, you're him. If you believe you're him, you're him. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Uh, I think if it, I don't see any of these teams getting Laurie Marketing, I think he'd be the best fit on the Hawks out of all the teams if we're talking about it. But 
like I don't see like would Danny Ainge take Dejan like would he want Dejounte Murray in return? I don't think so. I think maybe Danny Ainge just trades marketed so he could rebuild forever. And then when you when you're rebuilding, you never lose your job. You never lose your job. <laughs> supreme confidence, no. Uh, su supreme longevity. You just keep rebuilding. You never have expectations. Yeah, I'm sure that's what the Utah Jazz. When I, I forget, if the, I forget the record. I think the Utah Jazz. It's like been so long since they've actually had such terrible seasons. I forget what the record yeah, was. Yeah, they've been solid like, forever, right? And then yeah. the John Stockton Carmelo years, they were always good. So yeah, yeah I mean, tough. even with Gordon Hayward, they were pretty solid. So you know, like. Yeah. They had, they had, they had Deron Williams. They had Gordon Hayward. They had, I mean, we could talk about Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. That matchup, that that combo, I mean, yeah. like Utah's been pretty solid. I think it'd be hard pressed to sell the fan base. Hey guys, we're gonna suck for a few years before we actually get anything kicking over here. In my opinion, they're not too far with what they have. Uh, if I if I'm the Jazz, I keep it as is, and I just look for that that other guard that can go out there and score. How about Gordon Hayward off the bench for the Knicks? Oh, no. <laughs> Nope. Nope. That ship sailed. He misses more games than he actually plays for most of his career. Oh, man. Oh, man. Good conversation. But hey, salute to, to the NBA Nation world out there tuning in today. Make sure to support our sponsor, Prize Picks. And let me talk to you all about Prize Picks today, okay? Because Prize Picks, when I'm watching the game and I'm going to have a little fun, get a little action in, I make sure to go to, over to Prize Picks. And especially when it comes to putting money down when we're talking about NBA, all right? You can put you can put money down on anything you want. You choose up anywhere between two to five players, even six, depending how how frisky you're feeling out there if you wanna if you're trying to win big. But all you do, you go over to prize picks, you can choose anywhere between two to six players. And the cool thing is is that you can choose players to go to do to choose anywhere between I think what was it it's uh more or less than any statistical category, whether it be points, rebounds, assists, it could be a combination of points and rebounds, points, rebounds, and assists, whatever it may be. And it's just so much fun to do. All right. I've been enjoying it. I was on a hot streak, guys, but it's okay. Everyone, every, everyone comes down to earth, but I'm, I believe in myself tonight. So let me tell you about my picks for tonight. Okay. Let me tell you about my picks for tonight on prize picks. Andrew, here's where I'm going tonight. Let's do it. First selection I got is Giannis Antetokounmpo for more for more than 56.5 points, rebounds, and assists. The Bucks are playing the Indiana Pacers. Giannis has just been averaging insane numbers, man, whether it be over 40 points, whether it be 64 points. You know, there's beef between those two teams right now. Ooh. He's just been on one ever since, ever since he couldn't get that game ball, and there's still question if he got the actual game ball. I'm expecting him to go off against the Indiana Pacers tonight, even though the Pacers have been Owning your Milwaukee Bucks this season, Ooh, Andrew. Talking spicy. Next place that I'm going is Julius Randle for more than 26 and a half points against Chicago tonight. I don't see anyone. Okay. Randle's been on one, man. He's been averaging close to 29 points through the last 18 some odd games. I don't see him slowing down against a Chicago Bulls team that's essentially missing all everyone in their lineup. So for tonight, for what it seems. So I'm taking him for more than 26 and a half points. I'm then going with CJ McCollum for less than eight three-pointers attempted. The Pelicans are playing the Minnesota Timberwolves, one of the best perimeter defenses out there. They do not allow a lot of teams to get off threes. I don't see CJ taking more than eight threes tonight. So I'm going with less. I'm then going with Jalen Williams for more. Then 17 points. 
dude is going against the Atlanta Hawks tonight. He's the second best scorer on that team. Mm. All right. Jalen Williams, I don't see anyone that's going to stop Jalen Williams tonight. The ability for him to like just get to anywhere he wants on the floor. I don't see the the Hawks having a capable defender of stopping him tonight. And then my last selection is Jakob Pertle for more than nine and a half rebounds. They're going against the Memphis Grizzlies, who are in the bottom 10 when it comes to rebounding. Uh, and I just don't see Bismack Biyombo, Triple J doing enough to stop him on the board. So I'm choosing for him for more than nine and a half rebounds. Where are you going tonight, Andrew? Great picks, Alex. Jayla Williams. I love that one. I didn't get that one, but I, I didn't I didn't pick that one myself. I wish I did. Um, side note, real quick, before I go to prize picks, think about this while I give my picks, Alex. How many players on OKC you think will make at least one all-star game? Think about that. This, and then this season? Just even no matter where they end up, even if they stay OKC their whole career, or if they move on, how many guys you think will make one all-star game during their career? SGA is obvious, right? But out of the other guys, you know, who are you thinking? All right. Prize picks. It's it's, it's Chet and Jalen Williams. I mean, Josh Giddies could make one at some point, right? I mean, we're talking about how he's been playing. I mean, he would have to have quite a turnaround, in my opinion. He's solid. Yeah. He's yeah. solid, but I think like if you think about all the guards and if he stays in the West, I think it's too stacked for him to make it there. And then in the East, I think it's stacked there as well. And he got his he got his off the court issues. So yeah, yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. But Jalen Williams is a future all star, in my opinion. That was my point. He's tough. Yeah. Okay, prize picks. Kyle Kuzma more than twenty three point five. This guy's a bucket getter. Cleveland is mangled when it comes to injuries. Nobody on that team's going to guard him. He'll get over 23.5. I got more than Damian Lillard in the in-season tournament. Tyrese went Dame time on Dame. Giannis got him back the game after. Now it's Dame time to do Dame time. He will score more than 26.5. Jalen Green. I'm going to go less than 19.5 versus Brooklyn. I don't think he'll get that many points versus Brooklyn. And Jamar, Jabari Smith on the rebounding side of things, I think he will get less than 8.5 against the Brooklyn Nets. Shouts the prize picks. Those are my picks. Awesome. Once again, support our sponsor, Prize Picks. Use that promo code NBAR to get to get a 100% deposit up to $100. Depo- $100 all right? So you get up, you get up to a 100% match up to $100 if you use our if you go support our sponsor and use that promo code NBAR. All right. Let's go on to that last topic mm-hmm. that we got for today. We got to recap last night's game, Andrew, between the Boston Celtics and the Oklahoma City Thunder, which could be a finals preview, okay? Mm. Last night you had the you had the Thunder going taking on the favorites in the East the Boston Celtics, and look, it started off, it was a tight game to start off with, but OKC seemed like they were in control from the get-go. Celtics would take control and go into the half up 61-58, but then OKC would just go and explode in the third quarter and then really dominate in the fourth to put this game away, even though it came down to some KP three-pointers at the end. But look, man, from this game, I mean, you just got to see all the star power in this game, whether it was Tatum, SGA, you got Williams out there. Giddy had a solid night. You saw Chet. You saw what KP could do. Mm-hmm. Like this, this game had everything you'd want in this matchup. 
And I was just impressed by the OKC Thunder, just for how young of a team that they are, to hold off a veteran Celtics team. Like, the, the starting five has been around for a minute. You got Drew Holiday, Derek White, we know Tatum and Brown, and then you got KP. These guys have been around the block for a minute. Thunder, who were making some noise in the playing tournament last year, are showing some veteran savviness, man. I mean, in the fourth quarter, it seemed like they were about to almost lose the game, but they did just enough to get to the free throw line and, and knock down some critical shots. What were your what were your takeaways from last night's game? Yeah, I mean, they blew them out in the third, and then the Celtics came mooring back in the fourth, but wasn't enough for the Thunder. I mean, SGA, Derek White guarding him, he just it didn't even matter. One of the best guards in the league just puts him in the post, shimmy, fade away. Like the best guards in the league can't even speed this guy up. And he always had an innate ability to slow down in the lane, turning into a re a real three-level score. And, you know, you had Jalen Williams as one of your picks. Like, this guy is a future all-star, in my opinion. Everybody, like, looks at the defense. But, you know, he's much more than – and I love Lou Dort. He's much more than, like, a Lou Dort-type player. Like, he's a three-level scorer himself, can create his own, a menace in transition, and just an absolute dog. Like, mm -hmm. I just love the way Jalen Williams plays. I think he's a future all-star. And I know I'm probably thinking too far ahead, but, like, how are they going to keep all these guys when they're, like, after their rookie contract? Like, that's going to be another challenge, right? They got a lot of guys on rookie contracts that could become all-stars. That's part of the reason why I was asking you that. But for right now, I mean, this team is absolutely dynamic. And then Chet Holmgren, he just filled every gap that team needed in terms of a big on the offensive side and a rim protector on the defensive side. For sure. And, and, you know, the thing about OKC moving forward is really like, it's just SGA, man. Like, yeah. Like you said, you can't, you can't take him out of his game. He, yeah. it, you can't throw him off his rhythm. It's like, he moves at his own pace and it's like, you're not going to stop me. And he's been averaging over 30, man. Yeah. And it's just insane at this point. 36 points, man, shooting 63, essentially 64% from the field. His three point shot came around last night because he went three for five from downtown. But then you talk about the playmaking, you know, he gets a seven assists. You talk about the rebounding that's there too. Like he's yeah. just a complete player, man. And when it gets down to like the shot clock, like late in the shot clock, late in the fourth quarter, that's the guy that you go to. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't know how you can stop this team when they're clicking like this. And you talk about them being dynamic. And this is probably like the best matchup for the Celtics I see, because I look at that Chet and KP match and I'm like, that's probably the that's probably the toughest thing. Is like the whole thing about the Celtics, like, oh, we're trying to space the four. We're trying to get a three point shooter at the five, so that way you have to come guard us. But then when you have to go against Chet, who's a legit defender, he's like, I could do the same thing right back. I, he's a better defender, in my opinion, better ball handler. And once the scoring becomes even more consistent, like it's just a better version than what you want of KP. And yeah. I don't see like when it's I don't see how you can slow the Slender team down. Yeah. SGA, he's going to have a moment, I think, in the playoffs where he takes out the Warriors or the Lakers. And that's going to be the moment where SGA becomes a household name. Like all of us watching basketball very closely know how great this guy is. He's playing at an MVP level. But I think this playoffs, he's going to have a few moments because you mentioned how he gets in the mid range and creates his own shot when the shot clock is running down. And those are the most important situations of the playoffs. And I think when you have a guy like SGA, it's going to make them so dangerous. I think I talked about this before in the playoffs. And I just think he's going to have a moment where he takes out 
one of these teams that are aging. And that's when everybody's going to really, when all eyes are on the playoffs, that he's taken out a LeBron-led team or a Steph Curry-led team, even though they had their struggles. I think that's SGA is going to become a household name coming up in the playoffs. For sure. And then, like I said, the scoring dynamic of like Jalen Williams, even though he didn't necessarily go off last night, like he he still got you 16 points. But to be as efficient as he is, man, and yeah. the, the ability where he can get anywhere he wants on the court, and he just hit a dagger three in, in that fourth quarter. Like he is just... He, man, that is tough. He's a tough guy to guard. Like, do you he's, think he's, <laughs> do you think he's going to be like SJ in the sense is like, he starts out, you know, SGA started out on the Clippers, everybody he knew he was going to be good, but then he really thrived on his next team. Right. He ended up being traded. Not saying that Jalen Williams would be traded, but how are they going to keep all these guys? I do feel like at some point, Jalen Williams is going to get to a point where he's going to need his own team. Like that's how good I think this guy could be. I think you do everything in your in your willpower to keep all three. I think you yeah. just have to. Like, if you got to go over the cap and go into that first apron to keep them, you got to do that. I mean, the guys who are going to take a hit is Josh Giddy, Lou Dort. You're going to talk about Isaiah Joe, who you're probably losing, but they should move Josh to- Giddy. I mean, that was never the greatest fit with SGA anyway. And that was off the court stuff, and he's not playing great. Yeah, I, I, that probably lowers his value though in trade talks though. But I think yeah. that's somebody you definitely should move. For sure. Before I ask you the big question, I got to talk okay. about the Celtics for a second. Are you okay. concerned? Like when you watch the Celtics in this game, does anything concern you about them? Especially like Jalen Brown, just his inefficiency. Like he shot 22% from the field, man. He went four 18, only got you 15 points. You know, he went to the line a lot, but you know, he's supposed to be that second guy. And it, like this season for him, it just seems it's just been very difficult for him to fit in, especially with, you got the whole Derek White should be an all-star conversation. You got KP who can, you know, play like your second best player, right? Playing like your second best player. Yeah, exactly. And then Drew Holiday, he can fill in when needed. Don't really need him to, but like, do you think it's just been a tough, do you think it's, do you think the Celtics are on shaky grounds right now? What nobody's talking about is Drew Holiday is not the same Drew Holiday. Like the name Drew Holiday is great. I thought at one point when he was in New Orleans, he was the most underrated player by far in the NBA. 1,000%. By far. And then he won a championship, and he wasn't underrated anymore, right? Everybody saw him. Everybody, you know, acknowledged him. But now he's at the point. He's not close to that New Orleans Drew Holiday level. So he's part of the top six, and he's going to help them a lot defensively in the playoffs. But I don't know if it's the same Drew Holiday of the past. He's not, in my opinion. Also, I never really believed in the – two J's as playoff performers on a consistent basis. Like how I do it. That's why I keep on going back to the books. Like I just believe in Dame and Giannis as playoff performers more than those two. I've always been, you know, a little bit harder on Tatum. I actually like Jalen more than the consensus for the way he like changes the game in transition. Like I love Jalen Brown's game, but now he's the highest played player in the league. So he's going to have to play like it on a consistent basis in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm pretty skeptical about this team, not only from everything I just said, but they have this top six. And if one of those guys is unavailable, it's over. Like, you know, there's other teams that could lose a guy or two and still be really good. But if they lose any of these guys, it's over. So yeah, I am skeptical about the Celtics. Yeah, it's to start off the season, they've been like they're great. Like they still have like one of the best starting lineups in <clears throat> in yeah. the league, but when I'm looking at like your two top guys, like those have got to be your two top guys. And like, they're still doing well with KP with Derek white, just take it up another notch. But 
Jalen Brown's supposed to like, and I think that's the thing, right? Like you not you you knocked it out of the park with saying that he's now the highest paid player. And if you're gonna be the highest paid player, you got to show up every single night like you're the highest paid player. Yeah. Which, you know, he's only setting it up for Tatum to get even paid higher than him. <laughs> so yeah. at this point, but exactly, I, if I'm the, if I'm the Celtics, I'm a little skeptical because when it gets down to the nitty gritty of the playoffs, and you're gonna be working the half court, and if only one of them is thriving, I don't know. There's it, it, they're still good, but this is where if like you're the Bucks, this is where you can kind of expose them. Yeah, if they're not going to be hitting on all cylinders on offense. Yeah, it seems like it's tough for them to get Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum hitting on all cylinders at the same time. Like KP is a better mix with Jason than even Jalen is. And on top of that, the shot selection, like end of games, like Jason likes to go to these tough twos and even tough threes. Yep. And they don't generate the best shot quality at times when the game is on the line. But that's kind of the nature of like this team. Like, let's put up as many threes as possible. And then you got to rely on your two best players. And it's just, it gets, uh, there, there's some, there's some holes in what uh, Missoula is doing out there. With yeah. The he definitely but taking it, more of a analytic approach, right? For sure. They are yeah, definitely. Yeah. You got Brad Stevens uh, leading the entire, leading the entire organization at this point. But here's the big question, Andrew. Okay. OKC just took down the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Is this a finals contender team? Absolutely. Oh, you think OKC can go to the finals this year? Absolutely. And I even talked about this last year on my pod. Like, what did they need to turn that corner into contention? Like, I saw it last year. Like, I thought this could happen. And I knew Chet was unavailable. And I just felt like he'd fill every gap this team needed. And he did. And I think they got enough star power. And they got a guy like SGA who's going to fit perfectly in playoff situations as long as he got the right team around him. So you can, you believe in this young team just making that type of a leap where they got so much talent this season that they can take down, let's say, the Nuggets if they met up in the Western Conference Finals? No, I don't think I don't think they could beat the Nuggets in a seven-game series, to be quite frank. Okay. Yeah. Because look... <laughs> Because that that I'm looking at them with in full health. Teams. In full health, both teams. I, I think Nuggets win. Yeah. How about the Timberwolves? I think they have a chance against the T Wolves. You think they have a chance against the Timberwolves? I do. I definitely think they got a chance versus Lakers, Warriors. I think Clippers would actually be pretty tough, but they have a chance. I think Nuggets in full health, both teams. The Nuggets win, but I think, in my opinion, when you're only saying. The Nuggets are the only team I absolutely think will definitely beat them. You got a chance, right? I yeah. mean, you're you're in that contender window. Last team I'll ask, even though I'm oh, not a oh ask. Well, I, I want to ask you, what do you think? Okay, I don't think they have a chance to make it to the finals. Really? Uh, I, yeah, I think they're talented. I think they're very talented. Um, I think what holds me back is that Chet is not the consistent offensive score that you need him to be yet. Mm. I think defensively, he's legit. I think when they, when everything's down on the line, I think you'd be solid enough of a defender with everybody else there on the court, especially Lou Dort. If those are your two guys leading the defense, I think you got enough to go make a finals appearance in the future. I don't think they could do it this season. I, and I just, like, it's more so Chet's offensive inconsistency to me than it is anything else. Um, you talked about the spacing with Giddy. That's also a factor. Uh, I do like Isaiah Joe off the bench, but I don't think they have enough to say take down the Nuggets or I, like they could potentially give the Wolves a good matchup in, in, in a seven game series. But I think when I'm looking at the Nuggets, I think that's a tough ask. Even if they play the Lakers, in my opinion, 
Like there's something about a LeBron James led team that I'm just like, I can't, I can't not believe in LeBron James and Anthony Davis turning up another level and then having Austin Reeves off the bench. Like that's, those are three legit guys you'd have to figure out, figure out stopping. And I think they only have, I, I, I don't think they have enough to like stopping LeBron James is a tall task. I don't think Chet would really stop Anthony Davis because that's who he would have to guard. Who's stopping LeBron? That's that's a bigger question. Austin Reeves is more of a likely guy to stop. Would you trade a Chet package for a Laurie package if you were OKC? So wait, who? who whoa, 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 whoa. I'm trading Chet for Laurie Markinen. <laughs> would you? No, <laughs> I would. Yeah, I, I asked you because you said it's not the consistent scoring. Laurie could give you consistent scoring, and I love. I Chet think more Chet than can anybody. get there in the future. It's not for this season, but he could definitely get there in the future. All right, let me ask you this. You know, it's it's life or death. Even though that sounds kind of kind of excessive. Wow, if this you, is really this is taking a dark turn on the show. <laughs> <laughs> if you, what I'm saying is like this is the last. Okay, put it this way: this is the last NBA season ever. Is that is that a better way to put it? Okay. Okay. Sure. <laughs> would, you, <laughs> would you trade Laurie for Chet if you just had to win a championship this year? No. I think I you know why? Because of the rim protection on defense. Yeah, like, that's the that's the only thing. Yeah. Like you need more yeah. you need defense. But when I think about it, like if you if you're telling me that I have to go against the Nuggets, Chet not only has to defend against Jokic, but he has to match Jokic's scoring. That's tough to do. Not only does Chet have to guard Anthony Davis, he would have to match his scoring, in my opinion. I think that's just tough to ask because you're going to need someone to get you easy looks. And I, like I said, I think that it's just he will be great in the future. He's great right now but in a lot of ways, right? He's great right now. He's good. Yeah. You he should be unanimous rookie of the year. Really? Yeah. Over I, Wemby. I, like, yeah. I, I, like Wemby has shown flashes here and there, but like. Chet is on a winning team. Like Chet's hmm. part of winning. Spurs are. Can we tough. do a, Can we do a poll in the chat? And uh, that's always a question. That, that's always a question people bring up to me. Webby or Chet? Yeah. No. No. Who's gonna be the rookie of the year? I think it's Chet. I think it should be Chet. Yeah. I think. Should I, be, I think uh, it's very split though in terms of like. You know. TM, if you're if you're here, man, can you please set up a poll in the chat? Who should win rookie of the year? Chet or Wemby? We needed to know if the season stopped today. How about that? That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. I, 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 I like. Okay, I just can't see them making the finals this year. And look, just to just to let you know, like, OKC's won eight out of the last nine games. They beat the Thunder. Tw- they beat uh the the Nuggets twice. They ended the Clippers' uh nine game winning streak, and they defeated the Minnesota Timberwolves. So. Like, hey, I mean, like some serious work. I just don't think in a seven game series like that's so much different than seeing like regular season wins. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, 29 teams don't win every year. And we saw Russell Westbrook, Harden, KD in their prime for Russ and KD. I mean, Harden was a little bit young. They couldn't even win a chip. So it's difficult, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But no, I don't see it. You see that you can see them making a finals appearance. I can't see it this year. In the future. Sure. Not this season. Not this season for me. Okay. Not this season for me. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in for another en- another show, another episode of the NBA Report. Make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure to support our sponsor, Prize Picks. Use that promo code NBAR to get up to a one hundred dollar match. Yo, Andrew, great show today, man. Great show today. 
covered a lot of ground, covered a lot of interesting and great topics. Thank uh, you, bro. You too. Thank you. No doubt, no doubt. Salute to everybody in the chat for tuning in, man. Make sure to share these videos. Make sure to hit the subscribe button. Like I said, hit that thumbs up button for your boys. And look, if you can't catch us live uh, at 3 p.m., which we are every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can make sure to download us on any audio listening platform, whether that be Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can go check us out there. All right, so make sure to always tune in and catch our interesting topics, debates here at the NBA Report. And we'll catch you on Friday for another episode. All right, everyone, we out.